Shalom and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Baruch B'Shem Yeshua. A couple of announcements here before it is that we get started. Um, we are going to start doing this on a weekly basis, every week's uh, Torah portion, and um, it'll be available in both video version and an MP3 on the podcast. Make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com and you'll be able to get audio exclusives over there that are not in video form right over there. We are also currently looking at also doing a Roku channel as well for these teachings and all that stuff. And um, we've discussed possibly mixing it up you know, going and having the Torah portion teachings, the topical teachings, lessons on how to read and speak Hebrew, as well as uh, some of the guitar stuff. Because if you go to guitarrabbi.com, you will also find some of my guitar patches as well. So that's something that we are currently looking at uh, doing in the very near future. So uh, it's all very exciting. But this week's Torah portion is Parshas Beshalach. Okay? And before it is that we get started, let's go ahead and start in prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kedishanu mitzatah v'tzivanu la'asoh b'tavrei l'torah. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, Master of the universe, who has sanctified us in the words of your Torah. I ask, Father, that you be with each and every single one of us here today as we go through your Torah portion, Beishalach, Father. I ask, Father, that each and every single person listening, as well as myself, that you um, have your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit, come into us and uh, give us the chiseling that we need, Father, so that it is that we may live our life for you in each and every single day, each and every single instance in our life. And I ask, Father, that you change each and every single one of us. We ask these things and pray these things in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. All right. So... Let's go ahead and get started, and we're going to be focusing on that on the first verse of this Parshish, which is from the book of Shamos, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. And it reads, Vahi beshalach paro et ha'am vilo nacham Elohim derech eretz filishtim Ki karov hu, ki amar Elohim pen yi nachem, ha'am berotam melchama, vi shavu mitzraima. And the Gudnik Homish translates it as, when Pharaoh went, uh, sent the people away, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines because it was too close. This is because God said, 
when the people see a war, they may return to Egypt. Now, there's some things that I want to point out here in the Hebrew. The very first word, vahi, that is within this parshas, has a negative connotation. And the thing that is interesting with that negative connotation is that we constantly have to go and look at, first of all, the thing given the action and the thing receiving the action. Because the entire phrase is, Vahi beshalach paro et ha'am vilo nacham Elohim. Okay? And this signifies, considering that the et within here has to do with um, giving a reaction, receiving a reaction, and so on and so forth. The thing that we have to realize here is that the negative reaction is to that of Paro, not to that of the children of Israel. And so these are like little things that it is that you will see in the Hebrew and not necessarily in your English translation. Okay, I see we got a couple of people in the chat here. Oh, I see we got Rue here. It's good to see Rue, and it's also good to see Dominic as well. He says, hey, Rabbi, how are you doing today? It's freezing in Illinois right now. Oh, goodness. It is rather cold over here as well, but I guarantee you it's not as cold as it is in Illinois. So I, I, I my heart goes out to you there, brother. But uh, we got a couple of things to get into here. And one of the things that I was looking at today when I was taking notes is the Gutnik Homish. I love the Gutnik Homish. Um, it's one of many Bibles that I have, many versions of the Torah that I have. Um, you know, there's many great ones out there. The Gutnik Homish is great. Stone Edition Tanakh is great. The Orthodox Jewish Bible is amazing. Um, and we also have, you know, for instance, I got the Targumim. I got you know, the, uh, the the Torah with Talmud that is also from Art Scroll, and, uh, you know, several others that I use as well, you know. One of the things that we always say is that, you know, use the translation that you are um, most comfortable with that inspires you to read it. That's what's important above all else. But the nice thing about the Gordic Chomish is that I love the commentary that comes within it. I love the translation of the Targumim while it has the Mesoretic to the side. And one of the things that it has with every single Parshas is that it goes and gives us a little bit of commentary, a little bit of insight into the Parshas whenever it is that we get started in it, kind of an introduction, if you will. And this is the introduction that is... Um, uh, right before the Torah portion, Beshalach. It says, Beshalach means sent away. The Torah states that Paro sent away the Jewish people from Egypt. Why didn't they want to go on their own accord? Because among the Jewish people who did not want to leave Egypt, and it is only because Paro sent them away that they left. But how could the Parsha? filled with wonders and miracles, give such a negative name as we talked about earlier. This Parshas we read, how the sea split, manna came down from heaven, and water came from a rock. And yet all these privileges are collectively known as Beshalach, a word that expresses negative elements within the Jewish people. 
that they did not wish to leave Egypt. However, the point here is that Paro's transformation from an evil tyrant to the one who actually assisted the Jewish people to leave was a change that occurred as a result of the Jewish people. Since many Jews did believe in Moshe and followed God's command, they not only overcame opposition from the non-Jewish world, but their good deeds actually caused their enemies to be transformed into an assistant. So in the final analysis of Beshalach, it expresses not the weakness, but the great influence of the Jewish people on the outside world. How, though the observance of the Torah and mitzvot, an enemy can be transformed into a friend. And this is very important. This is very important. This is one of the things that we try and do with this show, with this program. We try and build bridges as opposed to putting up walls between Jews and Gentiles, between halakha. You know, whether you have halakha, whether it is that you don't have halakha or don't even know what halakha is. One of the things that we always say is that, you know, if you are within the Christian church, God has put you there. We say Baruch Hashem for that. We say Baruch Hashem because of the fact that you have the Mashiach. It's a great thing. And we'll be getting to that concept as well within this Parshas. But uh, I want us to go to our sages here real quick from Ki Yachar, okay? And Ki Yachar says, The Jewish people were not yet fit to receive the Torah, for their faith in Moshe was not complete. Now, this is something that we're going to focus in on here, this statement right here. For their faith in Moshe was not complete. This is evident from the fact that only later, after the sea had split and the Egyptians had perished, the Torah finally states, they believed in God and in Moshe, his servant, as we see in 1431. Okay? So this is not a thing, this belief in Moshe is not something that is idolatry, as some people would say, and we're going to explain why that is. Here in just a bit. For this reason, God led the Jewish people to circumptitious route so that they would come to a higher level of belief through seeing his miracles. Okay? Now, one of the things to understand with this is we have to go and look at something that seems to be in direct opposition to this statement. And we have to understand it within its context, and we see that it's actually not. And this is from John 14, 6, reading from the Ani Jewish Aramaic New Testament. Yeshua said to him, Anana, I am, it's the, it's the divine phrase of I am. Urah, the way, Asherah, the truth, and Chai, life and salvation. No nash, comes to the Abba except by me. Okay. So the question then becomes, we look at this Torah portion. We see how it is that the Jewish people were a light to the world, how it is that their influence upon that Aparo by their sheer existence and their willfulness to observe the Torah of Hashem turned Paro 
that seems like, okay, so are they bad or are they good? That's the question that we have. Did they receive salvation? Now I say yes. Yes. For the Apostle Paul says that Avraham was saved by his emunah. He was saved by faith. And this concept that Yeshua mentions in John 14, 6 is a concept that is within Judaism. This is a phrase that he said to his people that you will hear any rabbi recite to their people because, well, they won't necessarily recite it, but it'll be something that's implied. And it's implied because of the fact that within Perkevos it says, choose for yourself a rabbi. It's saying that you cannot be this lone wolf that says, I could figure it all out on my, on my own. A person has to be under a spiritual guidance. And that is a reflection towards our relationship with Hashem. Because if we did not have that, say that it is you're part of the sacred name movement or something like that, and um, somebody then, uh, you know, you know, Hashem comes down and he's like, I am Hashem. And then they're like, no, 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 you're, you're Yabadabadu. That's, that's, that, that's the name, the Paleo Hebrew. Why aren't you using your name Yabadabadu? Yabadabadu, what? Uh, you need to get out of my chair, okay? Because I know more than you do, Yabadabadu. You know, that's kind of the idea that a person has if they are not submissive to spiritual authority on earth, you know, as Yeshua said, on earth as it is in heaven. It's the same idea. This statement that Yeshua is making here is something that is found in every single piece of rabbinic literature. Every single piece of it. And we're going to be looking at some of that rabbinic literature to kind of understand this statement and to better understand this premise of a belief in Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay? And I saw we got a question over here in the chat from Dominic. Do you study other religious texts? Yes, yes. My brother David is a rabbi and he studies various religions and has enrolled in a Catholic college at the moment. Oh, that is cool. I'm just curious. Thanks. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with certain sects of Judaism and certain texts, you know, in terms of manuscripts and all that stuff because they may be later. But those things are important to understand because at the same time, going and reading those things and understanding those things are going to help us to understand a chronology of narrative and a chron chronology of thought. So I will go and read things from MacArthur. I'll read things from, um, you know, uh, you know, all of the, uh, the, the, the Reformation, quote unquote, scholars and all that stuff, because you want to kind of understand their ideas and why it is that they believe X, Y, and Z and what brought them to that point. 
Uh, Rue says, I thank God daily for leading me to listen to and to follow the Purushim. Oh, absolutely. Baruch Hashem for that. Baruch Hashem. Some people may not understand that concept, but uh, but let's get to this to this concept of the Holy Sadiq. Okay, because this concept of the Holy Sadiq, which is going to be somebody's spiritual authority, that, that authority figure on earth that is going to help them to make that transition into the Alam Haba so that they're not butting heads with Hashem, <laughs> you know? And this concept of salvation through those individuals. Let's go ahead and take a look at this. This right here is from one of my favorite books, Rabbeinu Bachia's Havot Lahavot, Duties of the Heart. He said for the third case, where the Sadiq is greater than, a, than the penitent. This is where the penitent transgressed big sins of the negative commandments, which carry the punishment of death by the Biyadim, or the Karat, from the heavenly court, such as Chilul, Hashem, false oaths, or others like these of severe sins. The person afterwards repented of this evil path and fulfilled all the conditions and requirements of repentance. In this case, forgiveness will not be granted until he receives suffering in this world for what he will be able to bear and be cleansed of his sins. On this day of penitent, our sages said in Yoma 86a, if he has committed a sin punishable by karet, or death through the beatin and repented suffering clean, uh, cleans him, and death completes the atonement as it is written, I will punish their transgressions with a rod and their iniquities with afflictions, as we see in Tehillim 89.33. And certainly this inquiry, uh, or this iniquity, shall not be atoned for until you die, as we see in Yeshia 22.14. Without any doubt, the Sadiq, who never transgressed these types of sins, is greater than the penitent in him. Okay? So we see this, uh, the, the, this model of the holy Sadiq in this case. But this is where it starts to get really deep here. As we see in Moed Katam 28a, it says, Why is the death of Miriam, just to be you know, just to make sure we realize which Miriam here, it is the sister of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is the death of Miriam juxtaposed to the law of Para Aduma? This teaches that just as Para Aduma brings atonement, so too the death of righteous of the righteous brings atonement. We find this, and this is the base statement here in Leviticus Rabbah 22.12, and it says, And why is the death of Aram juxtaposed to the mention of the priestly clothes? This teaches that just as the priestly clothes bring atonement, so too the death of the righteous bring atonement. And this is something that we could get into with the red heifer, 
that we read about uh, in the book of Vaikra, Leviticus, and all that stuff. One of the things that the sages, you know, are, you know, they're, they're constantly trying to figure out, you know, why this was done and all that stuff. But the conclusion that all the sages came to is that this was for the atonement of the entire people, of the entire land of Israel. And this, you know, plays in a great deal to the New Testament and the death of Yeshua. But that right there really shows us that, you know, at times it takes great humility to get to this point, to say, you know what, there's people that know a little bit more than I do. There's so many individuals that I myself still rely on in my spiritual walk. Some people see me as, you know, a person who does a podcast, does videos every now and then. And all that stuff. This is a guy that has it all figured out. The thing that you're going to realize is the more that you learn, the more you're going to realize, the less that you know. Okay? And the thing is that a person that has been through all these trials, these tribulations, all these things that we see the children of Israel and Moshe Rabbeinu getting so frustrated all throughout the Torah. The thing is that these trials and tribulations craft us into who it is that we need to be. If we are going through trial and tribulation in our own life, God is saying, I'm trying to get you somewhere. I'm trying to get you to this point in your life to where you fulfill what it is I have set out for you to fulfill. For you to become the person that it is that I have made you to be. To put you on this path. That is the reason for our trial and tribulation. For we look within ourselves when we go through these tough times. And quite a few, as we see in this Barsha, are sitting there saying, you know what, uh... I, we kind of had it better back over there in Egypt. Uh, you know, this stuff is a little bit too hard. We, had qu we see quite a few people fall away. In fact, in this Parshas, it says that there's three camps. A third of them said, continue on with Moshe Rabbeinu. Another one says, let's kill ourselves. And the other one said, let's go back over to uh, to Egypt and all this stuff. This is why... The road is narrow. The path is very narrow. And understanding this concept is going to lead us down that narrow path. Understand why it is that we go through what it is that we do instead of trying to blame others for the instances in which it is that we are in. There's negative parts of this as well. There's part of this parshas that we see within the New Testament that show us the negative aspect that is spoken about within this Parshas and going the way of Paro, giving up. And we're going to go and look at that. First of all, we're going to go to Luke, or I'm sorry, Luke 13, verse 25 um, through 27. And it says, from the hour... 
that the moron of the house rises and secures the door. Then they stand outside and knock on the door and begin to say, Our moron, our moron, open to us. And he will answer, he will say to you that I do, I do not know from where you are. And they begin to say, Before you, we ate, we drank in the streets. You, and in the streets you taught. And he will say to that, I do not know from where you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. A person could say that they are in their current state and say, I have iniquity in my own life. The scripture also tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the real thing is, this same thing would not be said by the Mashiach if a person is making the shrides, is cleaving closer to him each and every single day in every instance in their life. If they look at the trials and tribulations that they go through, and they say, Hashem, what is it that you want to teach me? The person who goes and blames others for their instances, however, are going to be the ones that if they do it time and time and time again and fail to look within, those individuals are not getting the message that Hashem is wanting to give forth. This is why a third of the people said, let's go back to Paro. Let's go back to the land of Egypt. This is too hard. Nope, nope, nope. I, I'm not this committed to this new thing, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I'm not. I, 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 things were good in Egypt. Things were good there. The trials and tribulations that we go through, if we see those things and say, Baruch Hashem, for those things, then we will not be the ones that see our afflictions as afflictions. We will see them as a way of connecting with God's people and saying, this is something that I can work on. This is something I can make my way through with God's help, and I'm going to show that God can make it possible. But God has to change, help, help me to change the things that are within me, and I need to put forth an effort to change those things within me. We go to another verse in the Brit Adashah. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 from 10. Now we're reading from the Orthodox Jewish Bible. And when Rabbi Melech HaMashiach entered into Kafar Nacham, or Nachum, a centurion approached him, begging him and said, Adonai, my servant has been bedridden in the house, paralyzed in terrible za'ar. And Rabbi Melech HaMashiach said to him, I am coming. 
I will bring him Refua. The centura answered, Adonedu, I am not worthy that you might come under my roof, but only say, the Davar and my servants will receive the Refua. For I am also a man under Marut, having soldiers subordinate to myself, and I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And having heard this, Rabbi Melech HaMashiach was amazed, and he said to those who followed him, Amen, I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such great emuna. This concept that Yeshua is giving the centurion, the concept that is being given to him is a concept that the centurion understood. This idea that though it is, I'm a powerful guy, I'm a centurion, I tell people what it is they do, and I tell them to jump. They say, how high? And he says, you know what? Even despite all of that, I am not anything, and I am subservient to you, my master. That's what he's saying to Yeshua. And because of that, that is the concept of all of faith of why it is that we are on this path, why it is that we read our Bibles every day, why it is that we study the words of our Messiah every single day is so we can get to this point and then go on the ride. To this point of saying, I am nothing. I am nothing. I am on the boat, and Yeshua is the waves that direct where this boat goes. And I am going to help it to not wreck ashore or to, you know, run aground or to, you know, for anything bad to happen to it. There's a path that the waves are taking me on. There's a path where the Messiah is leading me. And it's above all these other things. It doesn't matter how many treasures you have, how many suitcases full of money that you have in the boat, none of those things matter. The thing that matters is the path that the Messiah has you going down, and it takes amazing humility to understand this. This is why certain individuals were saying, let's go back to Paro. Let's go back to Mitzrayim. Let's go back to the Mitzrayim. Egypt translates to the land of confusion. Just like the Genesis song. That's what Miss Ryan is. Land of confusion. Hey, you know what? I was, I was making good money over there where it was nice and confusing and all that stuff. You know, I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, all of these things that are happening. You know, the ground opening up and all this stuff. You know, having to come with people chasing me when there's, you know, this big river and waves and all this stuff. Not knowing if I'm going to last the next five minutes, you know. It was good over there. It was good over there. That's, it's having your faith in the finite, in the things of the world, as opposed to the Ein Sof, to the all, to God Almighty, who is everything, 
and directs everything. Limitless. It's so funny how it is that we become so um we become so uh attached to things that are finite that I could just smash on the ground right now and have it burst into a thousand pieces as though it weren't anything. We put our reliance on those things in today's world, sadly. One more verse here, or a series of verses, from Second Thess Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Let no one in any way lead you astray, because unless the Merid, which means the rebellion, the revolt, the anti-Messiah, Shamad betrayal, defective apostasy, Aziva, desertation comes Rishna, Rishona, and the apocalypse of the Ish Ha Mafukrat, the Ish Ha Kata Ben Ha Avodan. These transliterations are hard for me. I'm used to it in just the Hebrew. Is unveiled. I'm referring to the one sitting himself against and exalting himself. Al Chol El, above every God, above all that is given, the appellation, God or worth of worship, with the result that the Bayis Hakmikdash. Haichal, the sit down from Moshev Elohim, the throne of God, proclaiming that he himself is Elohim. Many will fall away in the same time as Moshe Rabbeinu. Many will fall away at this time. As we saw before the sea was split, so many, as I mentioned, said, so let's go back, let's go back. Let him kill us. Let him, let him, or, or let's go back. Two thirds of the individuals were saying this. Instead of having the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob guiding us, instead of having the Mashiach guiding us, we hold on to the finite and say, hey, that sounds good. I'm going to go this way. Hey, this is going to be easier for me. I'm going to go this way. If we are going down that route, then the Satan, the adversary, whether it be the internal, such as the Yetzirah, or the external, has its hold on our life. It has its hold on our life. The thing is, above all else, trust in Hashem. Trust in Hashem. Get rid of our egotism and our haughtiness. And we may live for Hashem. Thank you one and all for joining me here today. I want to wish you all shalom bracha. Peace and a blessing. Shalom.